Something Samson looked at it through other people's eyes. Take some time and reflect on what you believe in your soul. Cause that is the key to life. You gotta let the negativity go. Welcome to What the Fox Podcast with your two hosts, Lindsay Fox and Amber Ross. We are sponsored by TherapyAppointment.com. Therapy Appointment is the longest running practice management system out there for clinicians who are in search of something that is just simply better than simple practice. So with that being said, we want to also remind you that I have a lovely coaching business called ConsciousHealers.com. And we highly recommend that any women out there who are looking to just reset, recharge, and reclaim your life and experience joy again, come join us on our retreat in Sedona, Arizona. It's going to be amazing. And we only have two spots left, so jump on the bandwagon. All right, Missy, Missy Mooks, today we are diving into the lovely role of self-efficacy. and a lot We of are about to get schooled, and I'm here for it. <laughs> a lot of people really have never heard that word. So I think it's kind of cool for us to talk about it, normalize it, and yeah, tell people what it's all about. And how you can make it work for you. That's right. Because just like with all things in life, everything is contingent on what you think and believe. And therefore you can you either sink or swim. <laughs> so wait a minute. We all know that words have power. Now you're telling me <clears throat> thoughts have power too. Oh, well, thoughts have all the power, actually. <laughs> all of them. Yeah, I would I'm agree. I'm very biased as well because I do operate more from a cognitive behavioral lens. Yeah. Um, not everyone would agree with me, but um, self-efficacy is really our belief in our ability to do shit. How's that? I like it. It's simple. It's perfect. All right. Say well, it one more time for the people for in the back. <laughs> Did you say it's too simple for you? I love it's you. It's too simple for my brain. So we're going to make it a little bit more complex and dive in. Okay. I'm here for it. Let's go. All right. So self-efficacy is a theory of motivation that was um, designed by Albert Bandura. And Albert Bandura is someone who is most well known for his social cognition theory, which is all about... Um, the role of observational learning, reciprocal determinism, and our overall our social experience. So it is basically saying how our social and cognition, meaning thoughts, how all of these things integrate. So our environment and our thoughts integrate to produce a way of functioning. Right? Simple okay. enough? Sort of. I mean, it was simple at, to, at start, but then as you're talking, all I kept thinking about was Thomas the Train. And you'll appreciate that if you've read the Thomas the Train book, because it's all about him saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can to get over the mountain, right? It's true. This is actually why I love us working together, because <laughs> you you do simplify things. And sometimes, while I do believe that growth is simplified, I feel like we got to get into the nitty gritty complex shit in order to untangle all the yeah. things and simplify it. But ultimately, in the grand scheme of what we're diving into, you're absolutely correct. Thomas the train. Thomas the train. That's it, people. <laughs> yep. So self-efficacy <laughs> beliefs are the self-perceptions that individuals hold about their capabilities. Mm. And so this means their perceived competence and the behavioral actions or cognitive skills necessary for performance of any given skill or ability. Okay. So going to say that one more time. It is our perceived 
competence. So our, our perception of what we can do mm -hmm. and how we can show up in the world, whether it be about a specific skill or ability. So our belief in our ability to uh, work out, our belief in our ability mm -hmm. to lose weight, our belief in our ability to have healthy communication skills with people, our belief in our ability to um, make an A on a test, all that stuff. So self-efficacy yeah. is our perceived competence in self and our ability to show up and do things in the world, right? So with that being said, these beliefs are the are really the foundation for human motivation. It is the foundation mm. of our well-being and our personal accomplishment and how we show up in the world. Because what we believe is what we actually end up performing. Yeah. Right? So when you talk about, I think I can, I think I can. Yeah, I 100% believe that. And um, immediately what I thought about in my head was, um, what, four years ago, five years ago, when I decided to make a jump out of, sales, which my entire background was in sales. And I woke up and decided, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something different. And the first opportunity to present itself from the moment I said, I want to do something else to myself, um, was a project management role. And initially I looked at that and I was like, I don't know anything about project management. I could never, that's so far outside of the realm of my skill set. You know, I said all of the things, <laughs> right. And then I went to sleep that night and I was like, wait a minute, your whole life is project management. You, <laughs> live, say, what? you live project management, right? It seems strange, mm -hmm. but looking at it on paper, when mm -hmm. I read the, um, the outlines, the requirements for the job, right. all of the things I was like, I, that doesn't sound like me. So naturally, of course, when I believed that it didn't sound like me, the first thing I did was apply for the job. Um, because <laughs> why not? not? Um, yeah. <laughs> and I had the interview and as I was talking to the gentleman, quite frankly, one of my favorite managers of all time, one of the most influential managers I've ever worked with had, we had a wonderful discussion and what he helped me see is all the ways that my natural inclinations lent themselves to project management and all of mm. the ways that what I had learned as a sales representative covering these major corporations lent me to project management. So yes. while I went, like I had the whole gamut of emotions of there's no way I can do that to maybe I can, let's have a discussion to uh, holy crap. Yes. This is the job for me. I want in like my name is on that job. Yes. And it was just so, the shift was amazing. Mm -hmm. And so, and so you had all the skills all along. It was a matter of having someone support you with reframing them to get where mm -hmm. you needed to go with your sense of belief. And that kind of leads me into wanting to dive into how do our self-efficacy beliefs even come to originate in the first place? And yeah. there's actually four key things that lead into these underlying foundational beliefs. So, and I think they're important to discuss um, because whether you are thinking about the workplace, whether you are thinking about parenthood, uh, romantic relationships, mm -hmm. whatever it is, uh, these, these key tenets absolutely steer the ship on where you show up in the world and how, and how you perform. <clears throat> so number one is our past experiences. Our past experiences are huge with driving our judgment and our beliefs because we are basing things off of what we already know. Uh, we're saying, okay, I've already done this thing. So I should expect X, Y, Z. Mm, and yeah. so 
it leads to certain outcome expectations is the word we use for that. Like every uh, but, time someone asks me to participate in an organized sport and I say, oh, no, friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer to be the last one selected so I can wiggle my way out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm all set with that. Um, and the second thing is vicarious experience. So mm. this is really whenever role modeling comes in. Vicarious experience is like when a child sees how their parents function and communicate, and then a child learns through vicarious experience, oh, this is what love is supposed to look like. This is what a healthy relationship is supposed to look like. Even if it is healthy or unhealthy, the vicarious mm. learning is telling you this is what relationship or love is supposed to look like. Right. So there, thus our judgments develop. So our belief in self and maybe our beliefs of what marriage is supposed to look like can originate. Um, and obviously I'm just like throwing out different examples here. This can be applied yeah. to so many different things. Um, and number three is social persuasion. And so that's kind of what I was hearing you talk about with regard to your boss in this situation yeah because and also like in the context of relationships i also pair it up with like love languages so like words of affirmation yeah so that social persuasion are just like is getting the the words of encouragement from someone who is saying like you've got this you can do this go yeah. ahead and you know do field day you're gonna kill it you're gonna do awesome on that that track today or whatever it yeah. is um, because that enhances your sense of belief of like, all right, my mom believes I can do this. So therefore I can do this. I think I can. I think I can. Absolutely. And I think um, yeah. if we roll it back to our professions for a minute, this is why coaching is so valuable and so successful and such a key pivotal area for people who want to level up because you've got a uh, non-biased third party that mm -hmm. you can borrow belief from, right? Someone who can help you with the reframe, someone who can help you with not necessarily words of affirmation from like a place of love and adoration, but from a place of belief and knowledge and Absolutely. empowerment. A hundred percent. I mean, because that's it, that is what we're here for is to really root you on and to instill that sense of motivation and belief where uh, for a lot of people, it just is a mindset change. That's really yep. what it is. So whether you want to call yourself in that case, I identify as an empowerment coach, you identify as a health esteem coach, whether people call themselves a mindset coach, it's all the yep. same kind of thing where we're all, we're all working together collectively to support individuals with shifting their mindset to get where they need to go, where they want to be. So that's that to achieve mastery, to increase their self-efficacy. That's what it's all about. So the fourth thing that kind of rules the judgment or the sense of belief in that foundation, um, actually, believe it or not, is our physiological feedback. And so a lot of people kind of dismiss this, but I think it's important to do a call out about because it ties back to our nervous system. Okay. So what is our nervous system used to, you know, are you, are you used to a uh, calm, steady mode of functioning or not? And <laughs> under what conditions? <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, so, I got you. Right. So think about public speaking. That is the number one most feared thing in all of society across the board people have a tremendous fear of public speaking so when you think about public speaking and you're about to go out on that stage and talk to a group of people and you feel your nerves 
mm-hmm. the way that you are perceiving or and interpreting those nerves, those physiological symptoms of maybe like sweaty palms, racing heart, hot mm-hmm. flashes or something. Are you interpreting those that those physiological cues to mean you're super excited and can't wait and you're pumped to go out on stage? Or are you interpreting it to say like, oh my gosh, I am so nervous. I'm going (laughs) to throw up. I'm going to fail. I'm going to be horrible. I'm going to trip. You know, all of these things where you're kind of pushing in your head, these thoughts of being evaluated and judged because more often than not, the way that you perform your outcome expectation is going to align with what you're actually communicating to yourself beforehand. And so that's kind of where I go back to think of like, when I remember um, a coach, like whenever I say coach, I mean like a PE, a physical education teacher or something um, back in like grade school used to say, can't never could Fox can't never could. Can't never could. Yep. (laughs) Can't never could. Like you grew up in the South without telling me you grew up in the South. (laughs) Yeah. I tried to say this to some of my therapy clients in Massachusetts and they, none of them have heard that phrase. I was like, really shocking. No, really, I didn't know that was a Southern thing. No, like, I really, I seriously didn't. So I said to one of my clients, I was like, you know, they said can't never could. They were like, what? I was like, oh, okay, we need to take a step back. <laughs> but like, Lindsay, your Southern is showing. Yeah, definitely <laughs> did not know that was a Southern thing whatsoever. That's funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's true. I mean, if you say I can't, then you never could and you probably won't and you can't. I mean, can't right. never could. So a lot of it is all about with, with regard to self-efficacy is like, okay, how can you improve it? Cause most people mm-hmm. are trying to enhance their sense of self-efficacy. Um, whereas just a quickie note is that some people can have too high of a self-efficacy, which also carries a lot of disadvantages as well. <laughs> Side note. That might be a wonderful follow-up to this episode. So we're going to table it. We're going to set it to the side. Um, okay. But that's an interesting theory, and I'm making a note right now about it. Okay. Yeah, we can come back to it. It's pretty quick and simple. What I love, or what really stuck out to me, I'm not going to say that I love it, but it sounds like the biggest challenges and biggest opportunities are both perception and expectation when it comes to self-efficacy, right? So your perception of what's happening or what could happen or what will happen and your expectation of what's mm. going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it's funny because so much in this podcast, we've talked about how expectations are premeditated resentments. They are. <laughs> and also we need them in life sometimes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I think what it comes down to is are your expectations in line with the actual perception or like the actual form of reality? So mm when we talk about how self-efficacy is the perceived competence in a person's abilities, mm-hmm. um, it, your expectations are kind of driving um, front seat in the car there. So if your outcome expectations, meaning you are expecting, give me a scenario, like, I don't know, a relationship thing or something like, no, I don't know. Like you're having See, a tough time. This is talk. when we freeze. You're... Like what is okay, happening no. here? No, I mean, I'm saying like, think about <laughs> no. it. Like say you're having a relationship um, argument or something with maybe you and a, a friend or a spouse or whatever are about to, they want to hash out something and you're like, all right, I have a perception of how this conversation should go. Ooh, the outcome yeah. expectation of this is, all right, I'm going to say how I feel. They're going to be receptive. We are going to get on the same page. All will be well with the world. 
Or right. the way my brain went, I'm going to say how I feel. I'm going to be completely misunderstood. We're going to get nowhere. And then we're just going to walk away and try again later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, you are more of a classic case of what reality is about. But in the pretty form of just saying, yes. hey, expectations and outcome expectations yes. is you expect things to work out. And you have a certain outline in your mind of how it's supposed to go. Yes. Then you develop these outcome expectations of, okay, everything's going to go well because someone's going to hear what I have to say. And not only are gonna, they going to hear me, but they're actually going to comprehend what I'm going to say. Ooh, yes. And therefore, I'm going to get my needs met. And then we are going to be just dandy in this relationship dispute because we're going to work everything out. And so you paint this picture of how the outcome expectation is. And then when reality hits and maybe the person was listening to respond instead of listening to comprehend. And then instead you get like some bickering back and forth and it's not so pretty and it's not aligning with your outcome expectations. So when the actual, ex excuse me, when the actual outcomes do not line up with our outcome expectations, we then lose or decrease our sense of self-efficacy of, wow, maybe I didn't have great communication skills mm, in the way that I yeah. thought, because I thought I was going to do a good job and the outcome did not align with what I had expected. Well, and I'd and like to just take a collective pause to say that mm. communication is one of the most challenging aspects of being a human. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure we can all agree that like we're all kind of working through our own shit and trying to look at the world in a way that it makes sense based on our previous interactions, which comes back to the self-efficacy, right? Mm -hmm. But then like I bring my bag of shit and you bring your bag of shit and then we're just like yeah, wading through it together, okay? <laughs> I know that's yes. a terrible visual, but sometimes no, it's, conversations it's can feel like you are just mucking through it. It's so true. And actually that's, I mean, so- that the, the person I had mentioned at the beginning, Albert Bandura, the social cognition theory, how it's yeah. based on a, a tenet of it is on reciprocal determinism and reciprocal determinism is, I know that sounds like really fancy, but it's just saying like the reciprocal nature of people influencing each other. Mm. So how one action generates a reaction and an interaction across people, time, space, and environments, that sort of thing. So how we all have a play in our environments. Yeah. And, um, and frankly, that's why it communication is so hard because it, we all have a different interpretation. So if we're not clarifying what we're meaning behind our words mm -hmm. and we're assuming that someone means X and you really mean Y, you're going to have these discrepancies show up. Um, but in the context of self-efficacy as a whole, I would say, um, it really ties into personal mastery in terms mm. of, so, you know, I don't want to get too caught up in like the other person and the other person's role in it, but it's again about your perceived competence and your abilities and yeah. how you're able to do things. So one of the most Google things that you see online is like how to build self-confidence mm -hmm. and truly it comes down like self-confidence and self-efficacy they are very much interwoven because if you have low self efficacy, you're likely going to have low self-confidence yeah. because you're not going to have a belief in your competence and your ability to do whatever the thing is. 
And so generally speaking, the way to improve it is to look at small ways for you to make those incremental steps in the right directions, which ties back into an episode from the beginning of the year about SMART goals. Yeah, absolutely. Bite-sized chunks so that you get that little hit of, hey, I did this thing. I bet I can do that next thing. And just building self-confidence over time. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's another piece of the coaching model that I know that we both embrace, which is Mm -hmm. really achieving more of a hierarchy of like, what is the person's barrier and Mm -hmm. how can we slowly chip away in a smart form? Uh, Mm -hmm. So just for those of y'all who are not familiar with smart goals, just like specific, measurable, um, achievable, realistic, time limited, or we've kind of debated the different R's and yeah. and all that stuff. But um, yeah, so just making these little things very achievable so that little by little, you can gradually build your sense of self-efficacy, which in turn builds your sense of self-confidence to achieve said goal or whatever it is. And so you can see how these things kind of go hand in hand with one another. Absolutely. And I think part of what I focus on in my coaching business is um, dialing in or dialing out outcome-based goals, because we Mm. rarely actually have control over the outcome that's going to happen. What we have control over is actions we put in. It's our determination. It's our dedication. It's the steps, the things that are within our control physically of what I do with my time, with my mind, with my body, et cetera. Um, and I think that's part of self-efficacy because if you are constantly setting goals that are outside of your control and you're setting mm-hmm. them as these big outcome-based goals, you're setting yourself up to not reach them or to not hit them and to backtrack on your self-confidence and self-efficacy. Totally. And that also ties into the role of resiliency. Same kind of same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When you have high high sense of self efficacy, you're more likely than not going to have a higher sense of resiliency at play. Yeah. Um, because even if you don't, you know, win that game of the night or whatever it is, or make the straight A's on the report card this time, um, you're still able to say, you know what though, like I did give it my best and I did all the things based off of the origin of beliefs, right? Of like. I got the positive praise. I did the vicarious experience of studying and doing what I was told to do. And, and I did, did my all. And this is just one example of 10 where I, it just didn't happen to line up with my outcome um, expectations. And so therefore I'll be okay and I'll get up and I'll try again. Absolutely. Um, And so that's where you can kind of see where that lower self-efficacy can also generate that downward spiral of like learned helplessness as well. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I tried and it didn't work. I did, you know, the things and it didn't work. Like Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't going to, and just building, like suddenly you've created your destiny in your own mind. And that's just it is that our thoughts really are reality. Our thoughts generate our reality. And we, we, as a society, I don't really think that we uh, take that in too much. We don't take that into consideration too much. How, how much power our thoughts actually have in our lived experience and how your life plays out in day-to-day functioning. Well, we think about it, but we think about it in the woo-woo mindset of like, oh yeah, there goes the, there goes those silly people again, thinking um, their thoughts have power when in reality, like you're the silly one. Of course, your thoughts have power. Of course, the words mm-hmm. that you say, the actions you take, all of that is so interwoven and interconnected that you would be silly not to believe in it, in my opinion. 
Yeah, no, it's true. And you can see though, especially when that, in that downward spiral of learned helplessness, that's when you get into more of, um, the, the more, the more you go in that downward spiral, the more you're hedging toward a, probably a clinical diagnosis of something like major depression disorder yeah. or some type of phobia or whatever, whatever the case, you know? Um, and so, you know, this granted, I want to say like, uh, with what we're talking about today, this is in no way meant to be any type of um, a form of counseling or advice on how to handle your mental health or anything. But these right. are just general discussions on, you know, the, the, the role of motivation and how motivation can be generated, how mm -hmm. motivation can be um, maintained the behaviors that are needed to maintain that motivation and, and for you to be able to move forward with um, some level of success or mastery so to speak. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's actually a good pivot point in the conversation, right? So when we think of the idea of motivation, and I think you and I've talked about this before, I tend to say that motivation is very fleeting. Sometimes I get a little cheeky and I say motivation doesn't exist because <laughs> it's been my experience as someone who works really hard, who does a lot of things, who has a lot of spinning plates, I very rarely feel motivated to do any one particular task, specifically if they're like the boring hard ones, right? Like I could feel motivated to go have tacos with Lindsay. Yes, that would be motivating, but I'm I don't necessarily feel... <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily feel motivated, you know, to sit down and align projects and get dates fixed and, you know, update spreadsheets and whatever, right? If I'm using um, my thinking about my day job, that work has to get done. And what it boils down to in my experience is leaning into dedication, leading into determination, leaning mm. into understanding why yeah and consistency building that into your daily life rather than relying on some spark of motivation to just like manifest in your life right but then kind of tying this back into what we discussed with adhd and the role of adhd in our lives uh, and again i know that it presents very differently for different people and it can you know coincide with other things that are going on or whatever but um ADHD is a, um, it's a space of neurodivergence where it is something that affects our dopamine system, which is our pleasure principle, our motivation mm -hmm. center. Yep. And so it can be really hard uh, to get motivated for things that even whenever you know you're supposed to do the thing or it has this outcome, if it's too long term of an outcome, it's like, forget about it. I just can't get motivated, which is why we tie it back to the SMART goals. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, if you've got like those long term goals of, oh, I want to lose 50 pounds or, oh, I want to make, you know, all straight A's or six figure income in like this many years, that's not really that helpful because then no. you're looking so far. <laughs> along it's like um okay but how are you going to get there and you really got to like break it up into achievable tasks or you know areas of performance that you know you can get to in order to move to that space so um it does it does take time which kind of is why i was talking about high self-efficacy is not always a yeah. good thing let's um, go ahead and dive into that because you got my interest peaked i want to know so tell me give me an example yeah well okay um so 
I would say that with all things, and I know I mentioned this a lot, I believe all things exist on a spectrum. Yep. Everything in life is about balance. Um, and our self-efficacy is no different. So when there's too low of self-efficacy, you're feeling like really down on yourself. You just have that inherent sense of like, I'm a failure, low self-worth. You just can't do it. So why should I try? And it's like really blah. But then mm -hmm. on the other end of the spectrum, with too high of self-efficacy, you're looking at someone who has extremely high and if not beyond high, but over self-confidence, over self-inflation of their belief in their ability to do something. You do not want to see that with like, say a medical professional, Ooh, someone who yeah. believes mm -hmm. too much in their abilities to do certain things when yeah. in fact they do not have the skill set or the education to support it. Um, it could be- um, I was thinking that, about an, an airline pilot or oh, like- <laughs> I mean, by all means. I mean- Yeah, you don't know how like, to land in that kind of terrain. Let's not have you test us let's and find try. out. It. let's test a theory let's not there's some areas of life where it is okay to test theories there are other areas of life where it is not recommended <laughs> yeah so i mean just and even if say you have very high self-efficacy to the extent where you have such grandiose thought mm. of your your belief and your perception of competence that you willfully choose to underperform because you know that you already know everything Ooh, okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, you wouldn't want that either, where again, mm -hmm. if you think about some of these professions, whether it's a mental health space, medical space, airline, you know, some things where yeah. people's lives are at, are at hand, or it could be your Uber driver. You know, you don't want someone to be feeling so confident, so overly confident in their ability to navigate, you know, city traffic yeah. at 60 miles per hour in tight spaces. No, thank you. Faces to, to Listen, be so, if you they are feel really like they can be risky. Yes, I agree with you. If you are so confident in your cooking skills that you want to invite me over to try a new recipe, I am <laughs> here for it. If you are so confident in your driving skills that you want to drive me around New York, like um, uh, 70 miles per hour, I've never been to New York. I don't know what the driving situation there is like. I imagine it's a little bit hectic. I'd like um, you to know that I've driven not do in that. New York. <laughs> <laughs> it was about as exciting as Los Angeles and Boston. Ooh, listen. Um, nope, no oh, thank you. Man. But also, yeah, so as you crazy. were talking, I pictured a different scenario that I think is super relevant. Okay. Um, I imagine that a person with self-efficacy that trends toward the too much realm mm -hmm. would be someone that is very uncomfortable or unwilling to listen to negative feedback or constructive <laughs> criticism or like, this is the person that in a conversation, when something is misinterpreted and you try to walk through it, they're just walking away. Like, nope, sorry, you got that wrong. I didn't yeah. say that or I didn't do that. Right. Um, and it's, that can make things really challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not too much of a team player. And 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 it's not to make like sweeping generalizations that all people are like this who have really high self-efficacy, but you can certainly see where where a personality type like that, they probably would not be very fun to have as like a team member because they might know everything or they they might not feel that there's any necessity yeah. for a team because they have all the skills that are needed in their own head and they are their number one fan. So who needs a team of other medical professionals to help or who needs a team of other basketball players whenever I can hoard the ball and do all the shots myself, you know? Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's just not not a great team mindset in some in some respects, but you can see where it could create some nasty um, downward spirals on the other end. So maybe yeah, it's not absolutely. depression, but maybe it shows up as like, oh, you know, narcissism. <laughs> oh, keyword. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see how that would be challenging. And I like your picture or your description of it being on a spectrum, right? Because I think and we've said this before, we're going to continue saying it until it actually sinks in that the idea of and the power of and not being this or that not being you know polar opposites but finding and striking a balance in your life where you have that confidence where you have that self efficacy to say yes i am smart i can do hard things mm-hmm. i can tackle this next thing and here's how i'm going to do it yeah um and just finding where that makes sense for you. That's right. That's right. And so truly to kind of tie this up in a nice pretty bow, I would like to say for any listeners out there who are kind of battling their own sense of self-efficacy and figuring out where they are on that spectrum. If you are someone who is in need of some support whenever it comes to getting your health on track, your fitness on track, your mindset on track, um, you know, trying to achieve certain kind of career goals or getting your just your life back in a space where you can actually experience things that bring you joy, reestablish hobbies, interest, and rediscover your passions. Uh, we hope that you reach out to myself or Amber for support um, because we are here to help you in whatever way that we can. And you can check us out at ConsciousHealers.com for more information um, because we are here to support you. And we do understand that uh, this journey is not easy and it does not happen in a vacuum. We need, we need community support and that's why we are here. Absolutely. And that's a good reminder. It's a good way to put a cap on it today. I absolutely enjoyed the conversation with you per usual. No surprise there. Um, and Ditto. want to, and want to encourage folks to please, please, please. If you love this episode, if you are enjoying our content, first and foremost, please give us a five-star review because it, it helps to push our information out to more people. Um, second, we would ask you to share it with a friend or family member or like your neighbor down the street, whoever it is, right? (laughs) Get the information out there so that we can reach more people with our messages and we can help to shift the tides of what society has, um, sort of normalized, right? When in the negative space, we want to spread more positivity, more grace, more knowledge and more empowerment. So the way we do that is through you guys. Yes. Thank you so much. Well said, Amber. All right, guys and dolls. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What the Fox podcast. So until next Tuesday, we will talk to you then. Bye, y'all. See you next Tuesday. And we all say everything is going to be just fine. It's going to fall into place. The sun is going to set on your terrible day.